0: folks, my name is B, and welcome to the BoomerCast, a podcast run by a millennial who identifies as a boomer, and I review and talk about episodes of cartoons I grew up with while putting what these characters go through against my own childhood by comparison. So I briefly touched on what was in Elwood City in a previous episode, and the show made a pretty big deal about the library in order to encourage reading to the younger audience. Arthur starts off the episode, Arthur's Lost Library Book, going all over all the fun you can have at Elwood City Library. There's a media table where people are listening to music on headphones. Wait, I always thought those were used for audiobooks and not to jam out in the library. There's also the kids' reading area where Mr. Ratburn does puppet shows, and of course, there are books. Lots and lots of books. At the same time... I think to myself, well, what'd you expect? It's a library. There's books everywhere. But I do forget that the series came out in a really weird time when it comes to technology. Even the books came out in the late 70s, so computers weren't as publicly accessible enough to be in public libraries at the time. But this is just a guess. And in that context, the only computer that is used there, at least until a later season, is the one that Miss Turner uses. And even then, in this episode, I don't really see a computer. She just uses the ink stamps like they did in the old days. But back to the episode. We see Arthur checking out a bunch of books, and they're all pretty thick too, so he must be a fast reader, or the writers are cheating and using larger font size. It's that kind of amount that would keep a family entertained for sure, and I sort of thought that was the reason why the borrowing period was about two weeks usually. It gave the family enough time to read everything, but in this series, Arthur has his own library card and therefore his own book limit. Look, I'm just saying two weeks is not enough time for me to read Fellowship of the Ring, so there was no way that I could read the entire Bible and five Harry Potter books in the span of two weeks which is about the amount of content, at a glance, I see Arthur checking out. Now, Miss Turner tells him he's one short, and then she points to the new Scare Your Pants Off books, which I'm guessing is the Elwood City equivalent of Goosebumps or The Bailey School Kids or Are You Afraid of the Dark or Animorphs. It's kind of weird, because you'd think that these kids would be so stoked about Scare Your Pants Off that they wouldn't notice the newest one just sitting there untouched and not checked out. But it's then that everyone notices the brand new scary book, and they go to get it. Only for Arthur to be faster and just grab the book to check out. Moreover, we end up seeing that Arthur never brought the book home because he had so many books that he didn't notice the one book that everyone wanted to read fall to the ground and get picked up by someone else. We then cut to a week later, and it's apparent that Arthur may not be the best mascot for encouraging reading because he has library books everywhere. What? He has a French-English dictionary? Uh, Why, uh, sorry, I'm caught off guard with that. The French-English dictionary he borrowed from the library was in his laundry, and he finds another book under some snack trash in the treehouse. Buster then asks Arthur about the mysterious hand, the scare-your-pants-off club book he checked out, and Arthur hasn't read it yet. He can't find it anywhere in the house, and he thinks that one of his friends took it. So So he hires the actual school bully, Binky, ask around because he thinks Binky doesn't read. This plan backfires horribly. Binky scares the crap out of all the other kids instead of asking them outright if they took the book that Arthur's looking for. Although Arthur didn't really tell Binky what book went missing, or if he did, it was off screen. Arthur then tries to sneak around to see if any of his friends are reading the scare your pants off book, and even then they end up finding out Arthur's intentions. This leads to nowhere, because although Buster is okay with being labeled a thief, it still doesn't bring the book back. After enduring a nightmare of only being able to check out books that are attached to chains, Arthur is faced with the task to pay for the book. He has the money to cover the book cost, but it means that he can't get his action figures. Still, he takes the responsibility, but before he shells out the cash, Miss Turner tells him that the book has been returned, by another, by none other than Binky. And I guess we're given the context that Binky can read, or he does read. He just has a specific taste, and he has a reputation as a tough guy that just can't read. I kind of knew it was him, but it did take me a few times to see the episode when it was realized at that time. But I can't help but notice, Binky's in the third grade. We find out later that he flunked the third grade, but... He couldn't have made it to the third grade if he didn't know how to read. That's, that's all I'm saying. Now, Arthur's pet business is in the first half of episode five. Yeah, folks, I'm still overlapping episodes, but hopefully I can get this rectified and I can cover just an entire episode and not episode number A and episode number and then B. But I remember this one of the Arthur book series uh, to get back on the subject and hearing it played out on television was definitely different for sure. Sentiment was still the same, Arthur wants a dog, and he imagines how cool it would be to have one. He tries to ask his parents if he could get a dog, but let's just say that DW steals this moment, and it initially sours the idea for both Jane and David. They do compromise, however, as long as Arthur can prove he is responsible enough to take care of a dog. That's pretty open-ended, in my opinion, but I have to admire that they allowed their son to come up with his own idea. Arthur's friends give him suggestions of a job, like selling cars or crushing metal. It's Arthur, however, that comes up with the idea of making a pet business in order to prove that he can take care of pets. And after a rigorous advertising campaign, he gets his first customer, an elderly rabbit lady named Mrs. Woods, who owns a dog named Perky. Though, the mailman calls her Jaws. Perky is a high-maintenance dog who apparently isn't acting like herself, according to her owner. And for good reason. Mrs. Woods gives Arthur a list of Perky's schedule and all the things that she doesn't like. Arthur sticks to said schedule, but Perky just doesn't stop growling at him, no matter what he does. And after about a day or two with Perky, Arthur starts getting more customers an ant farm, a snake, at least one cat, at least one bird, a pig, a tortoise, some frogs, although I think I hear a chicken or a turkey in the background. You know, because all those other animals weren't enough for a nine-year-old. Still, even though with some hiccups, Arthur manages to put all of the pets in a place and keeps up with their schedules and with Perky's demands. Dude should just start a zoo at this point because at nine years old, He's able to take care of about seven pets more than I can handle at my age, and of differing species. But after getting everything situated with the other pets, Perky is left alone just long enough to go missing. And David and Jane are just completely fine with their son losing a dog, I mean, jeez, these two. I know I feel like a bad parent sometimes when I let my kid watch something for a little too long, but man, these two are something else. Anyways, back to the back to the episode. They try to look for her, or Perky, rather, and Mrs. Woods comes to pick up her dog. DW breaks the news to Mrs. Woods that Arthur has lost her dog. And in the end, Perky was growling because she was pregnant, and she went to have her puppies behind the couch in the living room. I am not exactly sure how no one would have noticed a pregnant dog, but... Nothing is really anatomical or biologically correct in this cartoon, so Perky looked virtually the same whether or not she was pregnant. She was just less growly when she finally did have her puppies, in which Arthur got to keep one of them. Welcome to the family, in retrospect, pal. I wish you would have not talked at all, but you are part of a kids show, so I'm not surprised it eventually happened. It is somewhat shameful to say, but the furry additions to my family growing up were mainly strays, and we weren't very creative when it came to names. Our longest stand, our longest standing family member with paws was Blackie. She was a Labrador mixed with Chow, and she had a spot on her tongue, which is why I think we were she was part Chow, although we didn't know her exact breed. She was as loyal as she could be. And she was mellowed out by a little bit, another smaller black dog that may have had some pug in her. Both of the dogs were very sweet and very protective, and they did leave a hole in our hearts when they eventually died. It was very unfortunate that we weren't able to get them treated for heartworms, whether it was because we couldn't afford it or they were just too far off to get treated. Sorry to leave on a sour note, but with that, I thank you very much for listening. Consider leaving a rate or review if you liked it or if you didn't like it. I have my social media information, which is you can follow me at C-L-I-C-K-B-0-0-M-E-R. Stay safe and stay cool.